BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 477, coming to you on Monday, March 6th. We're going to look at the Trojans defense going into spring camp here in 2023. Uh, I am super pumped to talk about this because there's a lot, lot to discuss as the Trojans go into what is essentially a make-or-break season for defensive coordinator Alex Grinch and his defense here in the Lincoln-Riley era of USC football. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, over on Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you look, we should be there, especially here live on YouTube as we are every Monday night during the offseason at 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Garcia, joined along with my co-host here in the Rancho studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back. We are back after, I would say, a week off, but it wasn't really a week off. We were I mean, last week. It was a week off for us. It was. We may have pulled a bait and switch on the on the viewers. Not really. I mean, we gave them an episode. We did. It's better to give them an episode than not. But the magic of YouTube means that we were able to give you an episode that may have been pre-recorded. Yeah, I, yeah something like that. Uh, we're back here to preview uh, the defense. We are live for real. For real this time, West Texas, Mike. We are live for real. Uh, last week, we, uh, we pre-recorded our episode and then premiered it on YouTube. Uh, so it felt like a live episode because uh, we were on the boat um, in Mexico. We were yeah. um, <laughs> we were watching the show from our yes. from your phone. Yes, we were. Yeah. Um, we were we we took a Mexican Riviera cruise, which is super fun. Um, and so uh, we were in Cabo while uh, you guys were watching us here live on YouTube, which we super appreciate. Um, we also had an episode over for our members only here on YouTube. Uh, talking about USC traditions. Uh, that was super fun to put together 
Uh, as you know, our membership here live on YouTube is live, of course. Uh, you can join us uh, for $4.99 a month. You get to join the Rot Squad, which means uh, you get access to our Discord channel. Uh, you get some emojis in the chat. And, of course, you get a monthly free episode uh, from us here on YouTube. Uh, at least one per month uh, is what we're guaranteeing to start uh, as we go on towards the off towards later on the off season. Things ramp up towards the season. That's probably changes, but as for now, it's at least one during the off season, which is our February one last week. So uh, go check that out if you are joined with us. If you're not, uh, join the club. Uh, it would, hey, it would be great to have you along. It's it's worth it just to watch that episode that turned out to be a whole lot of fun because we were tier ranking mm-hmm. USC traditions and we may have shared some controversial opinions. I I think there's definitely some the cancelable number, takes there. The number fifty five discussion was a hey, was a discussion. No, don't don't. Just a teaser. Much. It's a teaser. They don't know what we said. It's a teaser. Yeah, so go check gotta go, that out. Got to go subscribe and then listen. Yeah, absolutely. So go check that out there on YouTube. Uh, sometimes it doesn't show up on the the join thing. doesn't show up on mobile, so you might have to uh, pull out the old uh, laptop or desktop or something like that. But either way, come join us here on YouTube, and we always will appreciate you. And we'll appreciate you if you leave things like a review on Apple Podcasts. Anything helps grow the show, including if you're watching live right now on YouTube, a like so we'll stop and we'll wait. Have you clicked the button right there? There, there you go. Yeah. Hi, boy. Uh, or 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 lady. Yeah, we, we love it. We, we love to see that. Uh, super appreciate that as well. Helps grow the show. Um, Alicia, a lot to get to in this episode. Uh, and the chat is super pumped. We got Kenny. We got Scott. We got, we got Mike, Josh, uh, Mark. Cameron, so many people in the chat, and, uh, and we got to get to uh, all those things. So let's start with a uh, spring camp, which officially opened for USC on Saturday, even though, let's be honest, nothing really happens day one of spring camp. They can't go out in pads, none of those things. So we're just going to talk about the roster drop, uh, which, of course, this is the second part of our spring camp preview. So we're going to talk about the defensive roster for the most part. But since the new official roster is out, I want to talk, touch on some brief little news items. Uh, at least if four guys are not on that roster that were expected to be. Uh, uh, oh, uh, I don't know that I had expectations of any of these players being on the roster bar one. Uh, no, I mean, more than one of them for sure expected, I would say. We expected, okay, let's just talk about it. First one was... Offensive line transfer, Ethan White. We talked about him last week. That is the one that I expected to be on the spring roster. That yeah. is not. And we're going to guess that's a spring numbers, technicality, enrollment situation. So yeah. uh, as far as as far as we can tell, he's still on track to to join USC. It's just possibly a, uh, a delay and he'll have to come in the fall. Yeah. So um, that's a big bummer because SC needs to, you know, get that offensive line to gel. Ethan White, one of the you know really trusted guys coming over from Florida. Big uh, opportunity for others. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ethan Ray, tight end, uh, not on the roster. Um, I didn't see this confirmed anywhere, but it kind of kind of feels like he might be just a going pro and something other than sports kind of deal. But I, I I'm not surprised uh, that the injury injury, bugs. injury oh. bug that he dealt with it was just constant and 
who's never really able to get going and get on the field. And that's really mm-hmm. unfortunate given the uh, potential that he had coming out of high school. But at this stage in his career, although, I mean, for, for all I knew, Ethan Ray could be the new Josh Follow, who I didn't expect to be on the roster last year sure. either. Yeah. And then he comes out and has a, a great season for USC at tight end filling in as a sort of his last raw. So that was nice to see for Josh Follow. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like Ethan Ray is going to be heading for the same fate. But, uh, you know, there's way more to life than football. So I, I hope he is uh, taking advantage of, of his education at USC and going on to do great things yeah. in not sports. Other two guys, um, bench guys that I would have expected to be fighting for rotational roles, uh, Caden Steven, the offensive lineman, uh, and Adonis Hote, not on the roster. Yes, but again, um, bench guys that you could see if USC needed to get roster limits down. Uh, I hesitate to say the word expendable, but that's sort of how you feel about um, some of those guys that are sort of lower down in the pecking order and who probably are better off seeking opportunities uh, in the football realm via a transfer or, uh, or you know, going pro in something other than sports. So we wish both of those guys well. Not that we have necessarily confirmation that they're not, I, that they're definitely off the team. I, th- I think both of these guys could like... absolutely contribute somewhere. I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. But, um, yeah, I, I expected the, for them to be on the roster, and they're not. So that's I think that's where we can leave it for now. Um, the other one is a interesting um, position change. Carson Tabarachi moves from linebacker to tight end. Which is really interesting because we had talked in the offensive preview about the tight end group maybe feeling a little bit light in in terms of numbers. And um, unfortunately, (laughs) you take a tight end and, and, well, you lose a tight end in Ethan Ray, presumably, Mm -hmm. and you have to fill that spot. So you add Carson Tabarachi from a position that also feels kind of light in terms of depth. So uh, we will will see how he does at at tight end. Um, But, I mean, to be fair, he probably has a clearer path to regular playing time mm-hmm. through tight end than he would looking at, at some of the guys who are sort of in that upper echelon at, at linebacker competing for starting roles and such. Yeah. So sort of makes sense. Well, and we'll see what he's got in the spring. Yeah. And two guys who are on the roster that weren't expected to be on the roster. Well, one of them definitely wasn't expected to be on the roster is Kobe Pepe. He's currently in the transfer portal, but still on the roster this spring. And the other one is a guy that we didn't expect because we had him as a um, a lost player. Uh, and that's Malcolm Epps. Last week we talked about how he um, was a senior and not going to be on the team um, because everything we had looked up, we couldn't find it's uh, any so information hard. about him returning, but he's back. It's the COVID year. It made it very, very difficult to figure out who has eligibility and who doesn't because mm-hmm. the years no longer you could be a senior twice over and still have the third senior year available yeah. to you. So that's a big a big deal to have uh, to have Malcolm Epps back as well. And you know, again, more more bodies at tight end, more bodies who have contributed in, in Malcolm Epps's case, he caught a couple touchdowns last year. So uh yeah, good to see you for that position group and we'll see what kind of damage they can do this year. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch up on with the roster is some new numbers. Of course, uh, numbers are always getting changed in the spring. 
Uh, that really not the case. Uh, the only one I, I noticed off the top of my head was uh, Carson Tabarachi is now wearing number 84 because he's moved from linebacker to tight end. Mm-hmm. Sort of makes sense. Um, but there's new numbers for the new players. So this isn't the the full list, but these are the notable ones that I've written down. So I'm curious your thoughts, Alicia. Marshawn Lloyd, running back transfer from South Carolina. Number zero. I don't care for zeros being given as numbers mm-hmm. uh, on in, in sports. I don't care for it. But I like Marshawn Lloyd being zero a hell of a lot more at running back than I do Corey Foreman at uh, sure. defensive line or hedge, whatever what position he's going to be slotted into this year. We're going to talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Yeah, I feel like since Foreman has uh, was the the pioneer of the zero at USC. Yeah, yeah, that's it's kind of yeah. All right, okay. There's only so many single digits. Zero is a digit. I, I just guess. I think it will be very funny. I'm I'm rooting for this idea. Hey, Marshawn Lloyd could be the one that does it. But like, if you have a Heisman winner and you retire the zero. Well, jersey that was only in existence for like two years in USC. My, so my, my yeah. dad always talks about how one of his uncles, I, I guess my uncle too, um, hated players wearing zero or double zero because you can't retire the number. There's no number. Zero is not a number. And I I get Mathematicians it. Mathematicians have to tell us whether or not that's it's the case. It's still a number. It's still it's a still number, a right? These are more so numerals rather than numbers, right? Yes, that's fair. So, yeah. Uh, number one is Zach Branch, the five-star receiver out of Vegas. That's a solid SC wide receiver number, of course. Uh, Mike Williams, Darius Rogers, Patrick the, Turner. Lane Kiffin treated the number one somewhat like the number 55 yes. before someone decided to just take it out of circulation was mm-hmm. treated where you sort of had to earn it. Um, if you're going to give a number to a an incoming recruit who – really has a very, very high ceiling and, and can do that number proud given the history that it has at, at a position in particular. Zach Branch is a seems like a very, very deserving wearer of the number one uh, as a freshman. Yeah. So um, expectations are high for him. And when you wear the number one, your expectations certainly don't get any lower because now you have to live up to the legacy of that jersey. But mm-hmm. you feel like Zach Branch is going to be perfectly fine with that one. Yeah, I, I, I dig it a lot. Uh, the one I might not dig is number six, uh, Anthony Lucas, the defensive lineman coming over from Texas A&M. I am not a fan of single digits lineman numbers. It's not for me. See, and this is but this doesn't have to be for me. I get that. This might be why I'm so much more comfortable with the zero for Marshawn Lloyd at running back than with Corey Foreman. Sure, uh, it's the same thing with Anthony Lucas. Like. I, I think of a six defensively as like a linebacker. Maybe that's just, I just like mm-hmm. Malcolm Smith and sort of was the defining um, number and sort of coming up. But uh, for me, I the, don't know. The, that said, um, the the number eight on uh, on Perry, Nick Perry, loved that it. That looked good. Yes. yes. I don't know why. Number you can pull it off, good. but it does make you stand out. And if you're standing out, you better be standing out for a good reason. Sure. So Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of the number eight, Malachi Nelson will be wearing the number eight at quarterback, five-star quarterback from Los Alamitos. Um, the interesting one here is another quarterback number being used, 
Alicia, you loved this when you looked at the roster for the first time. Mason Cobb, the transfer from Oklahoma State, is wearing number 13. Which is funny because you sort of pointed out that, uh, like, technically isn't isn't the Caleb Williams number 13, like, retired? Like, what happens? Well, I guess it doesn't matter because Mason Cobb only has one year of eligibility, doesn't he? I think he... But again, COVID year, we don't know. Maybe he has has two. It's hard to say. So, like... If if Caleb Williams leaves, as we expect, and then they retire the number in his aftermath, then like what happens? Does Mason Cobb get grandfathered in for the 13 if he comes back for 2024? I don't know. All I know is I love it. I love it because that was my number growing up when I played sports, uh, very poorly, but I stuck. But I did, and yeah, I love I love Mason Cobb taking that number 13. Just it just made me happy. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll be he'll be wearing it, even though it's I guess it's not currently retired. So. Hey. Uh, the more power to him. Uh, number 15, Dorian Singer, wearing the number 15, the the number, of course, famously worn uh, by uh, by former USC wide receiver. Uh, was it Kevin Mitchell back in like the mid-2000s? I don't have a good memory of the numbers going Oh, down. and wait, who, who's that other guy? The place with the Falcons now? What's his name? Drake, I mean, Drake, Drake London. L- Drake London. Yes, yeah. Drake London. Yeah. It's a good number. I like it. Um, I don't know why I... So here's part of the problem, though, is like all of the numbers from 0 to 22 are all doubled up. I looked at... I, like, I've, I've had to do exam deep exam, examinations of USC rosters mm-hmm. for many, many years now because when I was, when I was running rainofthroy.com, I would do a like a a depth chart extravaganza thing every year, and I would have to go like I would know everybody's number. Like it would just be a thing. I don't recall ever having all of the numbers from whatever to twenty two all being doubled up. There's just a lot of dudes holding a lot of numbers because those are the best numbers. Those yes. are absolutely the but best. But that's numbers. why, like, I don't know why I was surprised when I saw Doran Singer in fifteen. I think I thought he would be in a single digit. And then you look at the single digits and you're like, well, what was he going to take? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless they were going to like do the unretired thing and give him the, the three uh, like, um, like Addison got, um, which I guess wasn't the, wasn't in the cards. Um, yeah. I, I guess he could have been given the number one. Um I don't know. 15 will look good. 15 absolutely will look good uh, on, on Dorian Singer. Um, it, it is funny that, the you know, growing up, the the numbers you associate with wide receivers are numbers in the 80s. And now, like, if all singles, yeah. SC wide receivers would not be caught dead wearing a number in the 80s. No, that's a good point. Like, are there any receivers on this roster who there are in the There is one, 80s? and it's... Uh, Austin, Austin Overn, who I don't believe is a scholarship player. No, 82 out of Foothill. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, single digits are the thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, and then the uh, other numbers to mention, Makai Lemon, other five-star, high four-star, whatever it is. He was back and forth. Yeah, um, wide receiver out of Los Alamitos, number 24. Hate that. Hate that. Like, 24 is a DB number. For me. Yeah, definitely DB number. Don't see it as a wide receiver, but also 
what else was he going to take? Like, yes, <laughs> he, he would be a prime candidate for, he'll have a different number in a year or two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. And then the last, uh, so the to- chat is informing us that uh, Austin Overn is a, is a baseball guy too. Oh, so yeah, there we go. Uh, he should be a, um, a, a cricket guy with the name like Overn. I flat out do not get that cricket joke, Michael. You know, and I would be curious how much of our audience does too. Come on. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Overs. Yeah. I don't I understand what an over is. I just know I, I, close <laughs> enough. All right. Last number to mention number 99, Jack Sullivan, uh, the transfer from, from Purdue uh, getting the 99. Um, all right. Alicia, let's talk about the bad news this weekend. Uh, Andrew Voorhees over at the NFL combine, did that thing, did that thing that happens, the, the, the thing that you hate to see when a player crumples to the ground. Uh, I feel like that's always the word crumple. And you know what that means. It's mm-hmm. usually the three letters. And yep. it is the three letters, uh, according to uh, a um, reports, um, ACL uh, for Andrew Voorhees, not looking good. A guy who could have gone in the first round as an offensive lineman, one of SC's best offensive linemen, of course, in years, All-American for the Trojans. And yet he still participated in the bench and outbenched every other offensive lineman despite having one foot on the ground. Insane. I mean, and and that's the thing is is we know Andrew Voorhees and his work ethic and and what he will give a football team when you Probably we, you know, the report is, we assume the reporting is correct. You tear an ACL in March with the draft coming up. Like that is not good. The chances of him playing as a rookie uh, are low now. It's sort of at this point, just get onto a team wherever you can do it. It's going to be very, very difficult for him. It absolutely sucks. But, but if you're Andrew Voorhees, after that happens, what can you do? Like, what can you do? The only thing you can do is like, Show NFL teams, well, yeah, screw it. But, like, listen, you should still take a chance on me because I'm that dude. Yes. And yeah. going out there and doing that bench press, like, is the ultimate I'm that dude uh, display. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good on good on him. I, lo- I love the the I love the sort of swing for the fences and just seeing what kind of help it can do. It just really, really sucks. Like, there's no silver lining to tearing your ACL at the, at the combine. And somebody does it every year. Somebody does it. It's just. And the worst part is like, you've got to get on an NFL roster um, or at least on the, maybe not the make the roster roster, but you've got to get on an NFL payroll to, to, so that way your recovery is like backed by the NFL team. Yeah. Right? Like that's the key. And the good thing for Voorhees here is he's not a guy who is going to be a fringe roster. pick. Mm-mm. He was going to get drafted. Absolutely. You know, Potentially day one guy, right? So, like, I think he still probably gets drafted because some team is going to, you know, pick him now, pick him late. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be key for him because he's got to get on a roster. So that way his development uh, and, and his recovery is all on the NFL dime, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's pivotal here. Um, Lincoln Riley tweeted after this. Quote, complete warrior. He played hurt the entire second half of last season when most guys would have shut it down. 
whatever team drafts him will be getting an absolute dude in the trenches. Uh, interesting to know that he was hurt the entire second yeah. half of last season. Today we learned. Um, but then the other thing is, you know, it, it, it sort of makes sense. I mean, he he was, um, you know, pivotal for SC when he was in there, even playing while hurt, of course. And not having him in there in the Pac-12 championship game, that was that was the thing. Uh, we, we've talked about it before. I think SC could have weathered uh, not being without Voorhees if uh, if Caleb Williams was completely healthy. He wasn't. They could have weathered without being with, with Caleb Williams completely healthy if Andrew Voorhees was healthy and he wasn't. Um, you lose both of those guys and then Brett Nealon later on in the game and it was a doomsday scenario. But Voorhees, a huge, huge, huge reason why SC was not able to have a backup plan for when Caleb Williams goes down because uh, they couldn't run the ball. They could not run the ball against Utah. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, when you lose your All-American on the, the left tackle, it matters. It makes a difference. Yeah. So. All right, let's start talking about the defense. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Prize Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Prize Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Uh, SC going into the 2023 season uh, in what we're calling a make or break year for Alex Grinch. Um, Alex Grinch, after this past season, probably, you know, could have been, could could have gotten his walking papers. Um, SC blows the, uh, the Cotton Bowl defensively late in the game. Uh, several defensive let- letdowns led them to losses. Uh, to Utah twice, uh, both of those just absolute defensive meltdowns. All three of those games uh, th- that USC loses last year, if they just get a decent defensive outing, they might win all three. SC is a is a decent defense away from going to the playoff, and given how the playoff worked, maybe a you know championship game lost to Georgia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Um, let's let's not get too far ahead of where SC could have been with the with the better defense. Nobody was beating Georgia, but uh, of course SC could have maybe been there with um, just more of an average defense. SC did not have an average defense last year in Alex Grinch's first season. 
Uh, let's start with the defensive line. Uh, SC is now without Tuli Tui Pelotu, who just had a solid weekend over at the NFL Combine. Um, they're without Brandon Peely, who has moved on uh, to the NFL draft as well. Nick Figueroa is a senior. Um, Solomon Bird, still on the roster, but no longer a defensive lineman. He's now a rush end or a rush linebacker, outside linebacker. Uh, but this is a defensive line that returns Corey Foreman, Tyrone Teleni, Sally Taufo, uh, Solomon Tuliapupu, Jamar Sakona, Dejan Benton, Colin Motley, who has taken his name back out of the transfer portal, um, Shinjin Astani, uh, Kobe Pepe, uh, Earl Barquet, Devin Tompkins, uh, and added new guys such as transfer from Texas A&M, uh, Anthony Lucas, Kyan Barnes from Arizona, and Jack Sullivan from Purdue. What 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 uh, what do you make of the defensive line going into this uh, spring? Yeah, it it feels deeper than it that you know. I think the last few years have all been just about rebuilding that group in terms of numbers and continuing to just plug in as many as you possibly can. And I think that um, the the wave of transfers last year was really about just getting bodies in there. Yeah. The wave of transfers this year is about adding quality bodies. Um, and I think that. You look at the new enrollees uh, from the transfer portal and you can see starters in all of them. Mm -hmm. um, so that should be a really interesting plug uh, plug and play situation where, well, okay, the guys who are coming back who have starting experience or extensive playing experience, where do you fit now? You know, if, if Anthony Lucas is coming in and expecting to play right away, where does that leave someone like, you know, Tyron Teleni? Where does that leave someone like, Colin Mobley, for instance, like yeah. him entering the portal. I think him coming back out of the portal, um, you look at it and you say, well, this is your opportunity in spring to prove yourself and, and see where you stand. And then if you need to go back in the portal in the, in the summer, then yeah, I think there might be some movement there as well once we see everything shake out. But in terms of the, the depth feels a lot better and then the starting line, uh, the, the front line starters feel like there are upgrades available, mm -hmm. whether it's because people continue to develop or maybe finally are in a position where they can thrive, i.e. Corey Foreman. Um, or is it a situation where uh, you just have, you know, Jack Sullivan come in and just say, okay, I'm the starter. Here we go. Yeah. Forget about Nick Figueroa. You, you, he, he left, but, you know, <laughs> production covered. Uh, so... This is a this is a group that I think has some potential. Um, does it feel like this is a group that has, you know, the ability to be an all world group? Do I see any like all Americans on here? No, I don't know. I don't know about. That. I think I think you look at nobody. It, I would bet on at this point. No. You, I think you hope that someone like Anthony Lucas can because he's so young and and right. brings a lot of potential. Uh, could do some could do some work, but I don't know that you expect that in year one from him. So mm -hmm. I think there's still work to do on this group, but they should you should be able to have a sort of solid starting group there that doesn't take a step back from where they were last year. Yeah, that hopefully takes a step forward. Um, you probably want three steps forward. You're probably going to get one step forward, but I think at this point, like you take it. So yeah, yeah. I this whole defensive line for me is fascinating because 
it's a lot like the offensive line, but completely different at the same time in that I, I can sort of guess what the offensive line is going to be, even though there's a million different combinations that could be put together. There's a million different combinations that could be put together of the defensive line. There's no way in hell I would guess because this could be a situation where the, the three new enrollees, which are the three transfers coming in, Lucas Spars and Sullivan, they might all start. Or just the three, yeah. Or they might not ever see the field like yeah. like there's <laughs> That's a, also a scenario like <laughs> this is such a very fascinating unit in that it really feels like everyone is playing for their job right now and we've talked about it for years when you have units like that you're usually going to end up with somebody standing out that you didn't expect someone takes a step forward someone that maybe you expected to take a step forward doesn't somebody gets hurt these things end up sort of working themselves out but the hope is that you add these other guys like Lucas Bars and Sullivan and either they get come in positionally and make an impact. Someone like Keon Barnes, uh, Keon Barnes comes in as a nose tackle where SC has sort of had a hole at nose tackle. Didn't get the production of Brandon Peely that you wanted. Uh, still seemingly have not replaced guys like, uh, Stevie Tuikolavatu or Antoine Woods, right? And maybe, yeah, if he's he's not an All-American talent at this point, um, but maybe positionally he fits into a spot where Grinch is able to get more out of him. Maybe that's what the hope is. Well, Certainly the hope is that you get Anthony Lucas to play to his high four-star potential and that you get Corey Farman to look like the five-star number one recruit that he was promised to be and all that. Well, and that's the thing too, is when it comes to like nose tackles, a lot of times it's, it's not what they do. It's what they allow their teammates to do. Sure. It's, yeah. it's what they open up for the rest of the rest of the line. And, you know, when you don't have a nose tackle who can really provide that, that stable sort of foundation for the defensive line, the whole defensive line suffers for it. So, yeah. and that's why USC is still searching for that guy. Stanley T has done an admirable job, I think, fitting in there. But mm-hmm. he's uh, from from the word go, he just looked undersized for for what they were asking him to do. Right. And you know, there's a conversation in the chat right now about about all these guys. It's like, yeah, like USC hasn't found an answer yet. Stanley T did, you know, have issues in run defense, uh, which could just be so like could just be a size thing. Like, and and this is why I think that when you're talking about this this defense and these players and the questions I have about the coaching staff like these are the players you have to work with mm-hmm. these are the the these are the size strength ability technical ability all of that kind of stuff yeah. uh, that you have to work with are you putting them in the position where they can succeed given what they bring to the table and I think what Alex Grinch needs to do better this year is take what he has to work with and get what he can out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a group where that has to, like this has to be the, the foundational piece. This has to be the one that, that gives you something to sort of build the rest of the defense up on top of. And until you sort of have some stability on this, on this front, I don't know that you're going to have a ton of defensive success. Now we're going to continue to have, the uh, the conversation about how much defensive success does USC need, um, 
in order to 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 reach their goals like given how great the offense can be there is some sort of room for this not being all world everything guys but you still need your uh you know, even if you're not asking this group to be all world, everything, you mm-hmm. still need them to be competent and not a liability. Yeah. And I think that's the, uh, that's been part of the issue is the defensive, the defensive line has either been a liability as a, as a unit uh, or sort of, what would you say? Like one-sided? Because I think that when you're looking at the defensive line production, the production has been good in terms of like sacks and tackles for loss. Like well, we saw that with Tuli Tupelotu is, yeah. is sort of the 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 poster poster child for this, like all American level level statistics. But what did that mean for USC's defensive line as a whole? It, it, it wasn't enough it from the team perspective. Much. I mean, yeah, Tuli had such an interesting career in that he was such a dominant player at times. But when you looked at the moments where SC was getting pushed off the ball. Um, he just like every other player didn't have an answer. Yeah. And so um it, it makes it look to where you look at his game log and like Tuli was the guy who dominated against lesser opponents. And I don't think that's just him. I think that's just SC. That's just SC's defense. That, that is what it is. Where when they're in a good matchup against, you know, someone like Colorado, they can really push you around. Um but the more likely situation for SC last year was that they were in a position where they were on their back foot. They were they were playing guys sort of out of position. They were playing guys in new roles that they weren't expected to play in. They were, you know, moving pieces around and all those things. And while I'm sympathetic to Alex Grinch for a lot of that in year one, you needed to see development as the year went on, and you didn't see that. This this defense got significantly worse as the year went on, um, particularly in the second half of the season. And so, to me, the spring is about finding the guys who did take a step forward. Tyrone Teleni is one of those dudes who I think showed glimpses last year that he could be a guy, but he was very much, you know, raw. And yeah. uh, that was his first season of college football, right? Like you need to see him, you know, developed and, you know, hold his hand a little bit and and walk him through the spring to turn him into a player that can really take a step forward. And so to me, this is the spring where you've got to get Corey Foreman to the level of um, impact player that you expected and, I think you can sort of cut bait on the all-American five-star level production expectations. Um, Take that away. Don't worry about that right now. You need Corey Foreman to be an out-and-right starter. Like, if he turns into an all-American like people expected, awesome. But you need him to be a starter first. You need Teleni to take a big step forward. You need Anthony Lucas to show that he's got the potential that he did coming out of high school. Um, if you can get something out of, you know, Kobe Pepe, where he decides not to be in the transfer portal anymore, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you can see what what bars can do at, at nose tackle. Jack Sullivan's experience is there. It's Jamar- just so many, so many things. I think that you need more than the, than the 15 practices this spring, which is going to be difficult because there's so many guys here. This is one of the positions where SE has a lot of depth. It's just not necessarily 
the depth of you know experience of, of like you know the the depth where you know you have everything figured out depth you know well and that's there's still major question marks around what can you get out of Jamar Sakona? Like, mm-hmm. where is his next step? Dejan Benton's the same way. Where is his next step? Colin ben- Mobley. Benton's are these- like a guy who could, you know, become an impact player. You know, you look at it like the last three years, next yes. year, next year, next year. Kobe Pepe, the same the yeah. same way. You look at him and you say, okay. And De- uh, Devin Tompkins is, is, was already getting sort of that treatment in the fall where, you know, people who were watching practice were saying, you know, we like this kid a lot. He looks... He looks like he has something about him. Well, yeah. where is that next step for those guys? Are they actually capable of holding down a starting job at a high level mm-hmm. or not? And and I don't I don't have the answer for you on that. I I don't know on Jamar Sakona or Dijon Benton. Like I have my hopes for them. Uh for I have my hope of what their potential could be, but like this is their proving ground. This is this is basically you look at a lot of these guys and you know there's obviously some exceptions, but you look at guys like Jamar Sakona, you look at guys like um like Kobe Pepe. Like if they don't break through right now, then they're just not going to do it at USC and they're going to have to transfer or or just sort of see out their career without ever without ever breaking through. Those are the guys that that are the potential different difference makers. You need somebody to break through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wish I could predict who it will be. Yeah, <laughs> I don't and- know. You know, I, I mentioned that, you know, you only had 15 practices, 14 now since they already started on Saturday. Yeah. And that's difficult for a position that doesn't have a guy where you can say this dude for sure is a starter. Um, but the good news for SC is they've got everybody but but two um, recruits in the 2023 class on board already. Uh, they've got the three transfers already there. And the two fall enrollees uh, – Dejon Lafitte and Elijah Hughes are three-star guys that I think don't have the pressure of of contributing in year one anyways. You're not banking on them right. being involved heavily in the 2023 season. If they are... Um, if they are, something went wrong. Something probably went wrong or you hit a diamond in the rough yes. and it's just like the um, you know one of those miracle additions where it's like, you know, boom, you're you're a starter and you're, and you would be a starter even if everybody in, ahead of you was, was healthy, right. um, which is not the most likely outcome, but yeah, I don't think you factor those guys in um, unless so, guys start to drop. Yeah. Which means that you've got all the, you got all the guys that you've got to, to make something out of uh, for the fall in the spring. So um, see what you can do out of those guys. Uh, let's go to the rush ends, rush linebackers, rush backers, Whatever SC is going to call them in the Alex Grinch era. Um, I don't know what to make of this position, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. Uh, the returning players, of course, Romello Heights, who missed uh, most of last season. Sullen Bird, who moves over from defensive line. Um, and then new enrollees, the transfer Jamal Muhammad from Georgia State, even though all of SC's paperwork says Georgia Southern, it's definitely Georgia State. It's definitely Georgia State. Yes. It's uh, like to the point where I'm like, Google and Georgia State's roster from last year and all of this can't be wrong. Like, right. how, how does USC it's, have this wrong? It's definitely Georgia State. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and Sam Green, a three-star linebacker out of, out of Baltimore, uh, is a early enrollee who's there this spring as well. Um, they've only lost two players, and those are two guys who've gone to the defensive line, Corey Foreman 
and uh, Solomon Tulia Pupu. But I I don't know what to make of of the the rush backer spot. The the sim- SC needs to to make up for losing twenty two tackles for loss from Tuli Tuapolotu. And you need your rush backers to ideally be the guys to help there. Um, I have a lot of faith in Solomon Bird because I really liked what he did early on in the season, but he kind of went away after those first three, four weeks of the season. I And I don't know what to expect from Romello Height. I, I, I don't know. This I, is a big shrug for me. The simple, the simple answer on this is you need Romello Height to just come in and be the dude. Like, yeah, I think that was the hope um, from last year. He came in, he won a starting job, and then he went down injured, so we never really got to see mm-hmm. uh, what he could do. But I, the, the, you have to hope that he just comes in and just says, "Okay, okay, that's settled." Rush end, and then Solomon Bird is is your sort of uh, uh, number two guy there. You feel very very confident if he's your number two guy. Yeah. Um, that is, I like if 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 you told me that USC goes through next season with Romello Height number one and Solomon Bird number two, I'm going to feel very confident. And the production that you're going to get from that in terms of pass rush, I will would like to know quite a bit about how they do uh, with, you know, sealing the edge and all of that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. is and a struggle bus for literally everyone playing that position for USC for seemingly the last ever. Yeah. Um, to the point where it's like, I'm like, is this feels more, um, <laughs> this feels like every like the thing where everyone complains about their refs of being the worst. And it's just like, no, just the refs across every conference suck. Like I think everyone probably complains about their guys not not to not sealing the edge, but whatever. Um, yeah, I will agree with with Malcolm that like I don't see in the chat. I don't see Bird as a rush end in the like a three rush. four end. He's more of a of a four three hand in the dirt. Yeah, end. so I'm gonna be very curious to see how this uh, seeming experience experience uh, sorry experiment works out for him yeah um but given given the the what he did last year and in, in terms of pass rushing i do see what they're sort of getting at there and and maybe maybe this is sort of an evil genius plan that they're that they're doing with him um it, it might be the shakeup that you know he needs to channel back those first the the stanford game when he was awesome yes i i, I don't know uh, and and if it's just a situational thing then that's fine too like if you get you know if if you've decided that he's a situational player and that's where you're going to get the most out of him then by all means continue you know roll with that i i'm I'm happy to see that be a potential uh solution again put guys into position where they can succeed at the highest level um the really intriguing part of this group is that unlike with the defensive line where i don't think you come in with any expectations of your fallen rollies for this one i am very excited to see what Braylon Shelby comes in and does and, and David Peavy yes. maybe to a lesser extent, but I think there's a potential for one of those guys coming in and actually, uh, actually doing something and, uh, and upsetting the, the sort of simple rubber stamp Romello height, Solomon bird duo. Uh, so that'll be very interesting, but unfortunately for, as far as spring goes, we don't, we're not going to get to see that. Like what we're going to get to see is, Romello Height, Solenberg, and then yeah, Jamil Muhammad, the the transfer from Georgia State, who is more of that body that I think of when I think of like an outside linebacker. Um, so we'll see what he has to offer, but he's also taking a step from sort of a lower level in college. Like, how does he adjust to mm-hmm. going up into the which is kind of what Solenberg did too? Is what was he? Was at Wyoming? 
Yeah, uh, Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming. so we'll we'll see what he does. Uh, but it's it, it feels very straightforward to me at this point. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I don't know what else to to think. Like until Braylon yeah. Shelby shows up, I think it's just going to be pretty simple. I I like the idea of Braylon Shelby coming in and being sort of a, sort of a saving grace, but. I am not going to never bank ban- on. I'm, a, not, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm I'm done banking on on uh, edge rushers being those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much. You want me to go through the list of guys that we've expected to be like the savior for USC's pass rush over the years? Uh, Wally Batiku. Nope. Didn't do it. Uh, Connor Murphy. Nope. No. Uh, Corey Foreman still has a lot of his stories still to write, um, but Corey Foreman so far. Um, like I, Drake Jackson is a is a is a is a great test case for someone who came in, but it still felt like for his entire career, no one could figure out what the proper position for him to be at at USC was. Yes, and like he is the epitome of the he like he he looks like a good player, but is he impacting USC's defense as a whole in a positive way? Like, is that his fault? No, like, but. Right. Where is his maximizing his potential? All that kind of like it's just, yeah. Drake Jackson has one of the most fascinating careers. Is he a defensive lineman? Is he an end? Is he a, you know, I I don't know. This is another situation that SC clearly has not figured out to with Corey Foreman to to know about a lot of guys. Yeah. Uh, Let's come over to the inside linebackers, which is a little bit more straightforward. Um, The Trojans, of course, are losing a bunch of guys. Raylan Goforth is transferred to Washington. Julian Simon transferred to Tulsa. Tui Steven Nomura has transferred to Fresno State. Uh, Taylor Katoa uh, is in the transfer portal. Still no word where he's going to go. Um, of course, remember, you might remember him that he was signed way back in the uh, John McKay era mm-hmm. um, and been on SC's roster the whole time. Um, Carson Tabarachi has left the linebacker room and gone over to tight ends. Um, but the Trojans are returning Rajon Davis, Eric Gentry, Chris Thompson Jr., Garrison Madden, the speedster, uh, and Shane Lee is back for another go-around uh, with SC at linebacker. Uh, two incoming dudes, the uh, Oklahoma State transfer Mason Cobb and Tackett Curtis, the four-star linebacker, the number nine linebacker in the country, number 108 overall in the recruiting class out of Louisiana, many Louisiana. Uh, he's going to be wearing the number 25, by the way. I don't know how you feel about number 25 as a linebacker number. Just give him the damn 55. I know what you're doing there, Tackett. <laughs> I see it. I know what's going on. We all know what's going on. Just give him the 55. I so we'll Save that for another conversation. Uh, S- save that for the <laughs> save, traditions save, video. Save that for the tradition video. If you want, there's a little taste of what went on in the traditions video. Um, yes. Okay. So this group. Uh, I, Mason Cobb and Tackett Curtis are potentially great additions for USC that yes. can turn this linebacker group on its head because the linebacker group, the big hope, as yeah. much as we talked about the defensive line being an issue for USC and it has been an issue for several years now, like last year's linebacker group was the worst I can remember in all of my time watching USC and it's not like USC hasn't had bad linebacker play for many, many years before this past year. This uh, this linebacker, the last year's linebacker group was just 
just not up to it at any point in the season. And it looked like Eric Gentry had something about him, and that was exciting for a little bit. But Eric Gentry is still a player who is in that weird in-between of what position is he actually best suited for and also got sort of rolled into the same, all of the linebackers suck, so there must be something just go Like, you, you have so many guys playing that, like, and they're all making the same mistakes and they're all bad at the same things that, like, you have to just sort of start to question yeah. is is this is this a player that like can these players all possibly just be this bad uh, maybe but uh, i don't know um i think that uh, there was a lot of a lot of the 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 discussion in the background for the fall of why is rajon davis not playing why is rajon davis not playing was pretty justified by the end when they did play him and yes he was making mistakes but the same mistakes that the dudes who were starting over him Mm-hmm. We're making, but at least the kid could go out there and hit occasionally and have like one or two good plays in the times that he went in. Like, yeah. I'll, you know, I, I I will take it. I think my biggest my biggest issue with this group is is I see an uh, I see an opportunity for this group to really be transformed. I also see an opportunity for this group to 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 just continue to be be bad if something doesn't change in the background. You know, like. Mason Cobb is a better player than USC fielded last year. Yeah. Um, but he's still, as as Malcolm in the chat is pointing out, like he still missed a, a crap ton of tackles at Oklahoma State. Yeah. And Oklahoma State has a good defense. Like the 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 defensive scheme at Oklahoma State has been has been quite good for the for for the. They've past sort week. of been like one of the best defenses in, in the Big in, Twelve. In the Big Twelve. Yes. Yeah. So like. Being in a good defense helps players be good as well, which is the problem that USC has had. Is like even USC's good players can't thrive in the defenses mm-hmm. that USC has fielded recently. So what happens when you take Mason Cobb out of Oklahoma State and put him in USC's situation? I don't know. I have high hopes. I hope that he is able to come in and bring some of the what he learned at Oklahoma State and, and continue to develop his own uh, his own skills and abilities and really just slot right in and be the the game changer. I hope that Tackett Curtis is as good as advertised. I hope that he can transfer what he was able to do in high school and yeah. the mindset that he's able to bring and bring it all together on the football field at the college level. I hope those things. I hope that Shane Lee can be healthy and that maybe we can see more of, because for as bad as Shane, as, as bad as all of USC's linebackers were, like there was a notable difference between Shane Lee and the rest when it came to just defending the run. And well, Shane, the- Shane Lee is, I I feel like he struggled so much in pass coverage early on in the season that it, it felt a lot like um, what's his name? Last number 55 from Kentucky, Lamar Dawson, Lamar Dawson, where like, everyone remembers the bad the bad times he was burned and it's ruined his name for everything else Shane Lee is a, is a Where, pretty decent Lamar Dawson comparison in terms of just like yes, he was not as bad he's not as bad as as the bad plays let him on to be yeah um and I th- still think there's a good player in there and we saw him against the run and against the run he can be you know impactful at times especially Eric Gentry is the same thing um 
But we've got to see him take the step forward in pass coverage. Yes, yes. he got the pick against DTR he, um, late in the second second quarter. You can't be a liability. Uh, like, but you can't be the liability. There. Yes. Um, Eric Gentry is in this position where it's just like, I don't. Does anyone know what position is the best for him? I I don't know. I, I don't think Alex Grinch knows. I, I don't. I don't know if Eric Gentry knows. He's he's a very like I think he's a very good player who needs to find a spot to be on this defense. And I'm not sure that it's inside linebacker. I'm not sure where it's supposed to be. And you know, there's guys here that I think that are very talented. Um, you know, Rajon Davis, Gentry, Lee, um, a lot of hope for, for Tackett Curtis. I worry about Tackett Curtis getting the, being anointed as the savior. And then if he doesn't uh, deliver. Um, yeah. The, the the pressure on him being a little bit unfair, um, especially when you look at the problems being systemic, like we've talked about. Um, the the issues that, that Eric Gentry has besides just the positional stuff were the same mistakes that Goforth was making, same mistakes that Namura was making, same mistakes that, that Shane Lee was making. Like these were just the linebackers in the passing game were set up to fail. And and they and, and they absolutely actively yeah. failed in the run game too. So right. I I just think back at some of the plays we saw in the Cotton Bowl, and it was just like, guys, do you? I don't know what I don't know what was going. I I have no idea. Like everyone just collectively lost their heads yeah. at a certain point at this position, and it's almost like they fed off of each other in terms of the the mistakes that they were making, like. One guy would make a mistake, and and then it would just compound to be a million other mm -hmm. mistakes that everyone was making. Um, I I I think that the because now the chat is talking about how what a downer everything is. I think that if you're looking at this this group though, to to bring it around to a little bit more of an optimistic take, you're looking at this group. You're going to 2023. You have gotten better. Yeah. For every player that you've lost, you've brought in somebody who will at least be not like w no one's worse than what the guys that were leaving. I, and I, like I I'm really we can say Cobb is Cobb at, Cobb is better, better than, than any of the linebackers that USC had last year. Yes. That doesn't make him perfect. That doesn't make no. him an all-American, but he's certainly better proven in terms of production and 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 just what right. he was able to do on a football field better than any of the linebackers USC fielded this past this past season. So you're you're doing that. And I'm very curious to see what guys like Raylan Goforth and Julian Simon and and Twist Even More do in their new homes because that'll tell us a lot about what was scheme, what was coaching, and what was just the players not being good enough. But uh when you're looking at like sort of the 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 top of this depth chart if you're going to be mixing and matching from a group that I'm going to assume these are the guys going to be competing for a starting starting job, Mason Cobb, Tackett Curtis, Eric Gentry, Rajon Davis, Shane mm -hmm. Lee, of those five, I think you can end up with two or a rotation of three that can do a solid job. I think you have at least yeah. a solid job in this group if it's not coaching scheme etc that has not been changed that's the thing for me is i have more confidence in the individual players here than i do at this scheme yeah, this, allowing the inside linebackers to succeed yes this is, is a fair? very 
Yes. And 100%. Yeah. And that is the big question. And, and this is, this is of all of the position groups, this is the one where I think, I think in conversations that were being had between Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch probably had the best argument for saying the guys that I had available to play last year were not good enough, suited to my scheme, all of that kind of stuff. I, he, I don't think he gets to say that this year because he brought in Shane Lee. He brought in Mason Cobb. They've now added Tackett Curtis. Like, if, if Rajon Davis isn't your guy, then just for, for God's sake, let, let the man go and let him go thrive somewhere else because I want... I like I like watching Rayshon. <laughs> like, I I I really want Rayshon Davis to succeed. Um, but I think that th- this is the no excuses group for me now. It's like, okay, you can't then turn around and say like, well, Mason Cobb wasn't good enough for you because you actively recruited him to come to right. USC. Yeah, yeah. Y- you you can't turn around and convince people that like Tackett Curtis all of a sudden went from being this golden boy player of the year in Louisiana to come into USC and just say like, Oh, well he, but, but he's not good enough. We need to keep recruiting guys. Like, no, like the guys that you, the people in this room should be good enough to at least field a semi-competent defense, which is not what we saw last year. So, so to talk about spring really quick and summarize the linebackers. um, Do you agree with this? The expectation for spring here is to, um, find a position. Um, I, I mean, I, we assume inside linebacker, um, for Eric Gentry, make sure that he's in the well, right but spot. Gentry is uh, not going to be gonna in miss, spring. He's miss he spring, had sorry. surgery on his ankle. Yes, so. you're right. Um, so, so that's for you, fall. You can't even do that part. You got to <laughs> say that for the, the spring fall. clarity is going to help the, just seeing what other guys do. It's and, more opportunity for Rajon Davis. And not to mention, like, Chris Thompson and Garrison Madden. Like, th- those are two guys that have a big opportunity this spring. Because, like we said, right. it should be open open season on finding anybody who can do the job. Right. And so, you know, if, if you get through spring and you haven't found anyone who can do the job, then, like, that tells you where Eric, Eric Gentry has to play. But if you get through spring and you feel really good about the sort of three or four guys that you have who feel like you can do the job, then like maybe that frees you up to to experiment with where you're gonna put where you're gonna put Eric Gentry. And like and like we said, like I don't see Eric Gentry as a as a rush end. I don't see him as a safety. I mean, uh, probably more it's, so than than rush end. But but it's it's you can experiment with him a little bit. Yes, but I, I think for me this has to be the spring where you just sort of you figure out some sort of a rough pecking order um, for these guys. Uh, You obviously don't need to pick a starter in spring, um, but I think you want to be able to figure out, can Chris Thompson be a rotational guy? Can Garrison Madden be a rotational guy? Is Shane Lee just going to be the out and right starter here? Um, Is Mason Cobb what you expected? Um, are the tackling issues truly a problem for him and everybody else? Uh, can Tackett Curtis work itself, work himself into being a, uh, a rotational and or starter? Like those are the questions I think you have going that you would like to get an answer for, but just like the defensive line, I think you need more than 15 practice, especially when you don't have Gentry there. Yeah. You're, you're solving a a very large problem, but, yeah, my I'll make a quick prediction coming out of spring. I think your starting linebackers will be Shane Lee and Mason Cobb. 
I think that's, I mean, that's, that's probably, I just, I just want to prepare people. Like, I think people are going to have really high expectations for Tiger Curtis coming out of spring. Your starting linebackers are just going to be (laughs) Mason Cobb and Shane Lee coming out of spring more often than not. It literally is as someone who's predicted many a depth chart at this point, it almost always is just the most senior guy. All right, let's go to the defensive backs where SC, of course, puts them all in one unit. Defensive backs. Yeah, really helpful. Uh, Makai Blackman off to the NFL, of course. Britton Allen is in the transfer portal. Xavier Alford is transferring to ASU. Uh, And Adonis Ote is not on the roster, but here are the guys who are back. Damani Jackson, Max Williams, Kalen Bullock, Zion Branch, Jacoby Covington, Anthony Beavers, Prophet Brown, Jalen Smith, Latrell McCutcheons, here right. Joshua Jackson Jr. still on the roster. I feel like he's been here forever. Uh, he's the one of the last Narbonne guys. Uh, Fabian Ross, Bryson Shaw, Zamarian Gordon. Uh, and new enrollees are the Arizona transfer Christian Roland Wallace. Uh, the four-star incoming freshman out of Rancho Cucamonga, Christian Pierce, will be wearing number 24. And the four-star... Uh, Malachi Crawford, who's be wearing number 29 as well. Um, all right. The the, the front to backfield here, sort of a different sort of area, because I think there's, while we can be sort of pessimistic about the linebackers, I think there's a lot of things to like about the defensive backs. You go into year three for Kalen Bullock. Um, I mean, he got... Wasn't he like third team All American for somebody? Yes. Um, and you expected him to take the All American step forward last year? I don't think he did. Um, no, but, but he's I, a prime example of a guy who, like, even if he was ready to take that step in that defense, it, it was, was gonna just be never going to happen. You yes. need you need some support from yes. from around you, and I right. I don't know that Kalen Bullock got that. But he led the team in in picks with five, and I think that he's in a position to really be the. Uh, the leader of this defense. And you know that at safety, Kalen Bullock is one of those guys, lock it down, he's one of your he's starters. He's your starter, yes. Yes. And that feels good for yes. this defense because <laughs> I think it's the only position on defense, tell me if I'm wrong, that is for sure a starter like, well, is Kalen Bullock at safety. I think it's the only position that is for sure a starter and you're, and that's fine. Like in in the sense of, there isn't somebody coming up from underneath that you would almost rather emerge as like taking over their starting sure. job. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, like Kalen Bullock is your starter. I don't know that there's a safety on the roster that would, that I would say is in competition to take his job. Now, maybe right. that's part of the issue, but I think it's pretty safe and solid to say that he is one of your starting safeties and yes. that you need to build that secondary then around that sort of declaration yes. and i would expect max williams to probably be a starter um, well so and, and this is this i would is... probably expect sierra Wright to probably be a starter okay so but and this those is... are guys that i wouldn't necessarily put in ink the same way i would put kalen bullock in. well and this is the this is the conversation because as i just said if you're talking about starters coming out of spring default to the more veteran guy it's usually the way it goes yeah in this case yes i will predict that max williams is a starter does that mean good things for USC's defense based on last season? No. Max Williams really struggled. And I like, I've, I've been a champion of Max Williams for a long time, for a yeah. long time. I, I really, I've really uh, rooted for the guy, but like last season he was actively not there. 
just not, not, not good enough. Not good enough. No, I mean, there were a lot of guys on that defense who weren't good enough. So that's maybe a question that needs to get solved in, in terms of scheme coaching. You yeah. know, we know that Max Williams is a better player than he played last season, mm-hmm. but you can't have him playing at the level he was playing last season and have him occupying a starting job. Right. And, and that's the thing is like Max Williams is a nickel. And they had him playing safety. And it's like, well, are you putting him in a position to succeed then? So what I feel more comfortable with saying, like, Max Williams is your starting nickelback. Like, yeah, okay, I can I can deal with that. But if you're saying that it's Kalen Bullock and Max Williams at safety, I'm I'm coming in with some concern. Yeah. I'm coming in with some concern. This is where Zion Branch comes in, mm-hmm. where uh Bryson Shaw comes in, where Maybe maybe you're looking at someone like uh, Zmarin Gordon. Is Le- Le- do we know if Latrell McCutcheon is a is a corner or a safety? Like this is part of the issue. Is I don't even know. How, I don't know There's which of these, these guys, guys they plan that, to be that are in the sort of in between. That we know Josh Jackson has moved around as well. I believe Zion Branch is should be lining up at safety. Um, so there's some you know there's some there's some options there, but you have to have somebody do that like you have to have them take you know take over that job next to Kalen Bullock by the end of last season it felt like very much Bryson Shaw was that guy Mm -hmm. but again I posit to you if you go into the 2023 season with Caleb Kalen Bullock and Bryson Shaw as your two safeties how confident are you feeling in Bryson Shaw now Bryson Shaw was probably better than many of his peers on that defense but I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I want Bryson. I, I don't know if I feel super comfortable with 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 uh at the level that they played last year, which again I you would like to see these guys take a step forward. It's just where are those steps forward? I don't I don't I don't know. I, I think it's hard to to judge Bryson Shaw for me because he was yeah, he made a lot of plays downfield. But like he was also making plays a lot on plays that were sort of busted. There yes. were big gains. And yeah. that's not a knock on him. It's just that, like, those – he was the guy cleaning up the bad plays from, from SC. And, and the messes in front of them, the safeties – if if the front seven – I mean, seven, somebody had to do it, right? If the front seven was, is going to play as poorly it. as they did for much of that that that, that season, then, uh, I, I again, your safeties are putting in a real, real tough position. And so right. it's, hard to, it's hard to judge them. It really is. But that's why so much of this – comes down to you got to get your D-line settled. You have to have your linebackers be competent at right. least. And then you can then you can sort of come to, val- to evaluate your safeties and and your your secondary. Um, I think it's easier to pick the corners. Yeah, let's talk corner. Um, Christian Roland Wallace, the, uh, the transfer from Arizona, sort of I, I think is, is in a weird spot in that we saw what Makai Blackman did last year is from the transfer from Colorado. And he was exactly what you wanted and perfect. Just slotted in. Yeah. He's your best corner. Didn't have to do anything. Just let him be him. And you could only have to worry about the other corner spot. And it was, it was nice. It, Makai Blackman was probably SC's best defensive player, not named Tui Pelotu. I, or you could argue that he was better than Tui Pelotu. And, 
you kind of hope that Christian Roland Wallace is that same guy too, right? Like you kind of just hope that he can slot in and be the, the, at the corner to make up for Makai Blackman not being there. At the same time, you've got so many options at corner. The you difference, got Domani Jackson yeah. as, as the five-star guy that you expect to take the big step forward. Um, you've got Sierra Wright, who had a lot of success last year, but, you know, it, it felt like Alex Grinch wanted a new corner um, starting and and um, playing throughout every every game. It was yeah. we, we saw so many dudes play at corner last, last year across from, from Blackman. Well, and and like someone like Joshua Jackson, I, I believe he was injured for most of la- most of the the fall. So I think he's a guy who could come in and and command a starting job based on the way that we we saw him play before. Um, yeah. I think the big difference with the DBs that gives me, with certainly with the corners, that gives me more like I I worry less about corner because I think you're gonna just guys are gonna slot in the way that they're gonna slot in. Yeah. If Christian Roland Wallace is your replacement for Makai Blackman, then great. But if he's not, you don't need him to be because I think you can look at someone like Damani Jackson. You want to see him take that step. Um, like you said, Sierra Wright, you could look at Prophet Brown. You could look at, uh, mm-hmm. at a lot of these guys and think, okay, they're going to be available. There, there's a lot of talent, Covington, just raw yeah. talent uh, among. Yeah, Jacoby Covington got um some playing time last year as well, just a little bit though. So I, I, I worry less about the corners. I sort of feel like the corners are just going to sort themselves out Mm -hmm. and I'll be comfortable with, with how it works out. Will any of them be as good as Makai Blackman was this past season? You got to hope Damani Jackson can be that guy. Like if he's not, then you're doing something wrong, right? Best case scenarios. It's Damani and Christian Roland Wallace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, I, I and maybe think, yeah, right. Like, like those are your your three corners that you're gonna just gonna roll with. Yeah, I think it's it's probably Damani and and one of uh yeah one of Roland Wallace and and Wright. I mean, I I could I could even just see it being you know yeah, Prophet Brown. You could see Josh Jackson. You could see any of those guys sort of cycling through. So I don't really worry. I, it's the one position on defense that I I think will be just fine. I worry a lot about the linebackers. I well, worry a bit more about the safeties. I worry more relative, about the defensive line. Right. But like, that's the one position group where it's like, okay, there's talent there. We know that, 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 that doesn't have to be, uh, it was not like corners were a huge liability for USC compared to every other position on the field on defense last year. So. Right. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the, the corners will work itself out. I think. It's nice knowing that Kalen Bullock is just going to be a starter at safety. And there's enough talent and so many names on defense uh, in the, in the secondary there that I can just assume they're going to find a rotation that will be fine. I think the problem for me is I don't have that confidence um, elsewhere, even though there's the the issue, a a ton of guys who are on the brink of being you know the toughest starters and rotational guys the toughest question to answer is the safety next to kalen bullock and then the nickel yeah and on both fronts again we're going to ask the question of is it personnel or is it scheme yes because the nickel the, the nickel is like a position that is designed to be the the scapegoat for all bad things that happen on a defense so, like, it's entirely possible that whoever plays nickel is just going to be 
the the one that everyone thinks is is the liability but like you got to have somebody playing there yeah absolutely uh final question for the the defense here um what is for for spring what what is your your one takeaway uh for this group is it any sort of clarity do you need clarity in the defensive backfield right now or are you okay with just having all the numbers that they do I feel much better about depth um, across the board, I think, at, at, at all positions. I feel better about depth. I think my worry about spring is I really don't want to see chalk. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, talking about the DBs. Like, what, what, what's, what's chalk for you? Is that just Bullock, Shaw, Max, Domani, and... Uh, Christian Roland Wallace is that chalk? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Like I, I just I, I, I want to see someone like Zion Branch or maybe Anthony Gordon or sorry Zamarian Gordon or Anthony uh, Anthony Beavers or, or like I want to see somebody like that I just come that through and be. Not interesting. Though. It's not. It's not that it's not interesting. I just I would like to feel as though something were changed. Like for, uh, there, somebody no, asked. I, a, Somebody yes. asked, Sean from beautiful Austin, Texas asked, what are we going to be doing different on defense next season? Or will this be a trust the system sort of thing? And like, part of my issue is that like, I will have a harder time saying just trust the system. If nobody new emerges as like a, that wasn't a transfer necessarily that no, but as like a, you, won't it feel worse? Um, and you know, perception is, uh, not always reality, but maybe maybe so. Won't it feel worse if the linebackers are chalk? If the linebackers end up just being Shane Lee and Eric Gentry going into week zero? Yes, that that'll be because it's like, well, they brought in the transfers for, and nothing. then it didn't make it. Yeah, and, and and you know, but at the same time, maybe those two guys take a step forward, and and that perception of change doesn't have to be a bad thing, but like. I can see looking at and and maybe this is maybe we're being too critical on the the linebackers, um, and, and the defensive line. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there is a chalk defensive line at this yeah, point. Everything's right. so across the board. But well, to, I, to, to me, the chalk defensive, uh, the the chalk secondary, is not the end of the world here. Because no. your hope is that the with the linebackers, yeah, your hope is that Mason Cobb can be the guy. Your hope is that Tekka Curtis can be a dude who steps in and ends up being uh, the the player that you that you think he can that he can be the Sue Cravens of this or something. You know like what that, the right? You know what the reality is is that you just want spring. You want the team to be good. You want the team to be good. They can't prove themselves to be good in the spring. Exactly. And that's the frustration. No right? one is going to feel better about the defense until the the fall arrives and the defense is better. Yes. Like we nothing about practice, spring, fall, anything like that, short of the summer transfer window, bringing an all American level linebacker safety and defensive like right. nose tackle, like short of that happening. I don't think my confidence level on the defense is going to be particularly high until I see them actually out on the field in real life game situations. So it's it, it like. It's hard to say. I will agree with with a couple people in the chat. I think Malcolm and, and Tim, like, if it's Kalen Bullock and Zion Branch at safety, 
if that would make me feel good like that would make me feel like okay zion's coming into his own and doing his thing and earning a starting job like mm-hmm. i think that would be good yeah right yeah i i get changed i, I get the hope for change i i just think that What's going to make people feeling good is them actually playing better. If Rajon Davis comes out of spring as a starter, like that'll feel good, right? Like that'll feel like, yeah, mm-hmm. like progress. Yeah. I, I get that, yeah. which, which is why, like I said, I think that chocolate linebacker uh, would would, uh, would not be the most encouraging thing going forward because you want, you want to see change. You want to see difference. Uh, let's go to the mailbag. We got a uh, an email from John in Oakland who says, Hi, Alicia and Michael. Thanks for leading off with my USC Big Ten rivalry question a couple weeks back. It was great listening to your thoughts. I just saw the CBS Sports column making the case for the annual USC versus Michigan State football game. This comment definitely makes the argument for me. Quote, if Michigan State and USC aren't made permanent rivals with the Trojan Horse Trophy, then what the hell is even the point of all of this? Uh okay. Okay, here's where I come in and rain on the rain on the parade. Uh-oh. That would be a terrible trophy. Michigan State are the Spartans. The Spartans were a Greek nation state. Like the Trojan horse is part here of Here comes the classics major to part just of Greek mythology, but like it's got nothing cereal. to do with the Spartans. Like I should you come up with some sort of like uh maybe greek or or sort of classics themed trophy situation scenario i don't know yes you could but it's well, not troy was in Hope. turkey wasn't it yes well they troy the 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 literal site of the city of troy is believed to be somewhere in, in sort of turkey yeah but like also i I don't know. I'm just, I'm being pedantic. I get it. I get it. I just don't, I just don't, I just don't think it works as well. People say it will work. Um, also, <laughs> scheduling is so difficult that like, that's not, a, it's not a good enough, just because the mascots match is not a good enough reason to, to fit your schedule around uh, Michigan State and, and USC. So, yeah. yeah. I do, I would, I would think that would be a good rivalry matchup for usc but like i uh, yeah you need more reasons yeah uh let's go to questions we got here in the chat uh west texas mike says oh my god just answer if the defensive line is going to disappear when it counts again or not this is this is the hard part this is the hard part man we and and dallas in the chat says we're not going to know if the defense has started to improve until week two uh and we curb stump the tree trees We'll have an idea if they've really turned the corner uh, come October and when we're putting up zeros. Yeah, I SC's schedule is so soft in the front of the schedule. It's we're not gonna have clarity. There's not there's not gonna be clarity for or it. Or there will be clarity, but on the exact wrong end of the spectrum than anyone wants. Because like if the defense struggles in that in that early period of the season, then buckle well, up kids. But but also the sucky part is there's such a lack of faith in Alex Grinch's defense and rightfully so. Like, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be that there, uh, you know, shouldn't be a lack of faith. Um, but to the point where no one is going to believe anything until SC goes in and, uh, shuts down Utah on October 21st. Yes, absolutely. Because they beat San Jose state. Oh, well, it was just San Jose state. 
Nevada. Oh, it's just Nevada. Yeah. So Stan- Stanford sucks, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, ASU doesn't. Uh, the, the, they're just nobody they're right now. Yeah. yeah, it's too early. Uh, Co- Colorado th- doesn't matter. Year one for um, for Dion yeah. means nothing. Arizona, they don't have Dorian Singer anymore, so it doesn't matter. Who's doesn't the first? Count. Who's the first good quarterback USC plays? Like really good. Cam Rising. There you go. October twenty first. Yeah. Yeah. So it all comes down to Utah. Yeah, and then which is gonna even, be fitting too. Notre because... Dame game. Like I feel like people will say that Notre Dame won't matter because Notre Dame's defense, I mean, offense is not um, seen in the same way that say uh, anybody else's is. And then like looking at SC's schedule, we can talk about how the, the second half of the schedule is difficult, but in terms of like quarterback play, SC plays Cam Rising October 21st, Michael Penix November 4th, uh, Bo Nix November 11th, and a whole lot of nobody else. So, like, th- and those three are going to be extremely difficult. Well, Probably and- the, arguably the three best quarterbacks in the country. But, yes. Yeah, it's, the fir- it's, the- it's going to be a while. The first half of the season certainly doesn't have a quarterback or an offense that makes you sit up and go like, oof, USC could get, you know, yes. somebody's going to put 40 points up on USC. Yeah. T- t- which Tim's is point- why it's going to be really important for Alex Grinch to hit the ground running because if you're giving up 30 points to any of those defenses or any of those offenses, then yes. that, then, then yes, the, the conversation will start. Yes. The proving ground is Utah, but you can also prove yourself wrong way before that because you, you could. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, you know, to, to, to Tim's point, the schedule sets up nicely for the transfers and guys coming in off red shirt years to gel. I think we need that warm up time. Yeah. Yes, I think that I think that's the 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 reason to look at look at it. I just don't know that people are going to necessarily be patient. Um because SC's has national title aspirations. Yes. Um all right, next question uh in the chat came from Randy. Did you guys ever figure out the finals standings of the over under competition? We didn't. I I we meant to, to to have it set up for one of the next episodes and we never did. Well, part so of the I'm issue- promising it now next week. Yes, part of the issue was that we had this trip coming up and so we were planning out episodes around our trip and around spring camp starting. So, yes. yeah, the next episode will definitely put that in there. Yeah. Uh Warren says do you do either of you know what the name of the songs that the USC marching band plays during the kickoff? And one when the other team gets a penalty. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah. So the kickoff cadence is called "Go." Um, it's a it's a drum cadence. It's like yeah. Um, and then uh, the song when a penalty plays. I don't know if Richard's in the chat. I believe the the penalty on SC is the uh, the the Star Wars thing, right? Yes, they do play the Imperial March. That's that would be the Star Wars song. But that's when SC gets a penalty. They used to play the Go Big Red, but I'm pretty Go sure Big they Red. I th- I don't know. There, there's another that one. I, I'm so sad. I think. Why it was, am I not remembering SC no, ever playing uh, that? And I think they stopped playing it because there was a a call in, like the. The, the chant from the student section is supposed to be, hey, you suck. And the students would 
add some extracurriculars that maybe weren't sure. appropriate for all ears to the end of that chant mm-hmm. and thus got that song to yeah. stop being played. But I don't know what the context around like what kind of penalties or, or like a penalty on USC or yeah. Uh, or I, I I think they might they might just play uh, fight on for a for a, for a penalty that against the other team or a, I think tribute they played a lot of tribute on defense yeah they might do tribute yeah. um, we sound like terrible band people right now see this is why the you know the one time Richard isn't in the chat uh, then <laughs> we don't have the answers but yeah. if if we hear from Richard uh, we will, next week we'll we'll try to yes. throw that in there to clarify what the what the specific songs are yeah. Uh, last thing, uh, Randy says, it's my understanding that Corey Foreman will be moving from rush end to defensive end and putting his hand on the ground, which I can understand. Uh, but then why did he trim down to 235? This was the same question that was asked with Drake Jackson every time he would change positions. It was like this this swing back and forth between sort of trying to get up to 270 and trying to get back down to 235. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's... Maybe it's a it's a, a scheme thing. Maybe the idea is to have at that sort of defensive end position of in the front three. Maybe the idea is to forego some size for for speed. Yeah. For for pass rushing purposes. I it, it maybe it's possible, but like yeah, it is weird that Corey Foreman is the same size as Romello Height right now, but they have him playing at a position that is further inside than what I don't know. Yeah, I, I I won't pretend to ever know. Uh, yeah, the, the, Jamil Muhammad at two forty is bigger than Corey Foreman right now. So I, <laughs> so I don't I I don't presume to know. There's there's probably some galaxy brain reason. Um, final question. Scott says, uh, speaking of the band, whatever happened to the stand issue? Uh, this, of course, meaning um, the uh, the Sun deck uh, in the Coliseum being a little loosey goosey, and it was uh, not, like shaking and and bouncing. Um, apparently, they got that re um, like retrofitted. From what I remember, they had structural engineers come in and like did a temporary did, fix. did a temporary yeah sort of whether it was like a tightening of something or an addition of something to stabilize. I believe that's what yeah. that's what happened, but. Um, Warren also says, at least you're thinking of Gary. Hey, hey. yeah, yeah. but that's not what he's thinking of. So, but, but, but that's what the, Hey, you suck. Yeah. Other word that pops yes. in there would, would be. And of course, um, two reasons why that got banned. Uh, number one, um, the, that phrase curriculars. Um, and of course, number two, go look up, uh, Gary glitter. Well, and, actually that's, yeah, that might also have played a role, but yeah, not, uh, not, not too great, Bob. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, that. Uh, oh, another one bites the dust is, is another one. That's yeah, a that's yeah. a sack. Um. Well, I wish I. Were, uh, yeah. Anyways, we'll we'll get we'll the uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get our friend Richard to to help out with everything, yeah. uh, or uh, or Brett from the band as yeah, well too. Brett. So, all right, uh, we will see you guys next week to talk more about spring camp. SC, of course, in the hardest of spring camp. Uh, the spring game is going to be uh, April fifteenth. So. Uh, that's not too far away, like six weeks. So it's going to be a really short camp, uh, only 15 practices. Of course, the Trojans have 14 left, so not much for us to discuss, but we're still going to discuss it because that's what we do here on the show. And as always, you can join us 
over with the Rot Squad and join our membership here live on YouTube. Uh, if you did join us live here on YouTube, uh, or even if you're watching us on delay, be sure to hit the like button. It helps grow the show, helps support us, uh, and helps with the good old algorithm. So hit that, that like button uh, and subscribe as well. Uh, we will be back, uh, of course, next week. And as Kenny says, yeah, March Madness. Uh, we'll talk about probably March Madness next week, too. Uh, little little shooty hoops a little bit. So, yeah. All right. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Until then, see you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.